0: Abiso, Musia on SAFM.
1: Okay, we'll start off in APL, most people's favorite, favorite, favorite league. And uh, we're joined on the line by journalist Jim White of the Daily Telegraph, friend of the show now these days. Jim, thanks again for giving us some of your time tonight. We really appreciate it. Good evening from us. Good evening to be so. How are you doing? We're fine, thanks, Uh, Jim. I hope you're well too. And what a different season it was without fans. We saw the return of the fans for the last few games. Firstly, are we likely to welcome more fans back to the stadiums next season?
0: Yes, I think the idea is uh, a lot of the Euros tournament is being staged in England. I think they're hoping that by the final of the Euros uh, in July, they'll have full stadium at Wembley to see that match. And then next season, the uh, Premier League and indeed all the other leagues in England uh, will take place in front of fans. The interesting thing was to be so that the lack of fans really changed the dynamic early on. It took a while mm. for the players to get used to it. The fact that you know they didn't have the home advantage, for instance. And we saw some really bizarre... Um, results in the early part of the season. You know, Manchester United losing 6-1 at home uh, to Tottenham, uh, Aston Villa beating Liverpool 7-2. It took a while, I think, for players to get used to it. But once they did, you know, the strong teams came to the fore, as you would expect.
1: And we saw Liverpool lose six times at Anfield, right? Six straight times.
0: Incredible. I mean, Liverpool were out of it. Even Jurgen Klopp said Liverpool were out of it as recently as March the 10th when they lost at home for the sixth time. But they really picked up uh, in the last few weeks of the, uh, the Premier League. And indeed, at the very last... Got themselves back into Champions League contention and that felt like a trophy. You were talking earlier there in your <laughs> introduction about whether being in the top four is like a trophy. For Liverpool, it felt like one because they were written off. To be mm. so, they were finished <laughs> and suddenly uh, they were back. That was a remarkable turnaround, I think.
1: And then finishing third then, uh, Jim, how with that strong finish, how do you sum up their season considering the injuries that they also had?
0: Well, I think that they really suffered early on because they had bad injuries. It took a while for their centre-backs to recover from that. They lost Virgil van Dijk. They lost Gomez. They had no one at the centre. Uh, Jordan Henderson was playing there. Fabino was playing there. But recently, uh, Nat Phillips has really got to grips with that centre-back spot. And I think that that really helped the team. Um, They could play Fabino in midfield. Uh, Thiago Actually grew, having looked a little at sea in the early days uh, in midfield, and and they just got better and better towards the latter stages of the uh, of the competition. And I think that augurs well for them next season. But you know, having been the champions, they're a long way behind City. I think Jurgen Klopp will ultimately put this down as a disappointing season.
1: Okay and then well Liverpool finished behind Man United also who were second and in the Europa League you final you told us last time that a good season for Man United would be to win the cup do you still stand by that
0: Yes I do I think coming second was a good achievement for Allegonoso but they never really put pressure on Manchester City there was a chance in January, where they looked as though they might genuinely be getting a a, uh, a proper competition there it was going to be a proper challenge, um, but they faded, and uh, you know city just looked a lot better. I think the gap with city is big, but second is a is, is a reasonable position and if Soskia can win a trophy as well, I think he can be very satisfied with his work winning trophies. Alex Ferguson always proved at Manchester United is a habit. Get into the habit. Get these young players he's got, like Mason Greenwood, uh, get, get them winning trophies. It'll be a really good habit to acquire. And I think, I think that really is necessary. Listen, a club of Manchester United's stature shouldn't be in the Europa League at all. <laughs> they should be in the Champions League. But uh, if they are in it, they've got to win it.
1: Yeah, and and they might have been second, but they are twelve points behind Manchester uh, City. Um, Is it still a long way to go before they return to the United of old? And where do they need to reinforce next season?
0: There is a long way to go. There's a big gap, but I think it's a gap that's surmountable. I think that um, uh, that what they've looked like when they've had Edison Cavani. Bruno Fernandes and Paul Pogba in the team, they've looked like a team with authority. I think they've got mm. to get a couple more figures of that class into the team, and then they've got a hope. If they could get Jadon Sancho uh, from Borussia Dortmund, for instance, and maybe a real quality centre-back like Wesley Fofana from Leicester City, I think that would make a big difference to them, and I think it would help them close the gap. I don't think with the current personnel that they can they can actually catch up with City. They've got to make a couple of big and important and sensible signings over the summer.
1: Yes, and they actually considered the most goals of the top four teams with 44 men united this season. So they will need another centre-back there. Manchester City, and Jim, um, sometime during the season were being written off. I think it was in December. Nobody was giving them a, give them a chance. How were they able to still win the league by 12 points?
0: Well, it was an interesting one, this. Because they had competed right up until um, the middle of August in the Champions League last summer, they had very little time off. They didn't really have a pre season. And I think Guardiola actually planned it very, very carefully, knowing that they were going to get off to a slow start. He rotated his squad a lot to preserve um, a bit of fitness a bit of hunger and it really came to pay i mean 21 successive victories that is an extraordinary statistic um they were just at at one point they were just really really unstoppable and what was fascinating about it is they did it all without an actual striker you know aguero wasn't really playing gabriel jesus wasn't his form wasn't great. For a lot of the time, it was, it was Phil Foden, it was De Bruyne, it was Sterling, who were their principal attacking threat. And that's a really interesting new way of playing. And I think if you add to that, if they decide to go out and add to that either Erling Haaland or Harry Kane, imagine what that's going to do. I mean, they won by 12 points without a striker. Imagine what they going to be like with one of those guys.
1: Well, they still have the small matter of a Champions League final also before they wrap up and by the way, they've got 83 goals without that striker. But they've got the Champions League final to wrap up. How important is this? is this Champions League final for them? Because this is the one that the owners want from what we hear. This is one that Pep also wants for the club.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You've got it bang on there. The owners bought the club in a view to making it a world-class institution and the important thing to do that is to win the Champions League. And Uh, Guardiola himself has won it when he was manager of Barcelona. He knows what that brings in terms of authority and style to a club. He wants it very much. I fear, however, that Chelsea know how to beat Manchester City. They've done it quite Mm. a lot this season. And the way that Thomas Tuchel sets up his teams, you know, he he can outwit people uh, on in a one-off game he's got that ability and I'm not sure that City are going to do it you know I, I think they've got better players I think they play with great style I think they play with great panache but I think Chelsea have just got that game intelligence to um, actually beat them at the last you know
1: Cool. Jimmy I'm not is- going
0: to put money on it. To me, so. I'm, I, listen, I, I'm always wrong. I'm always wrong. But that's my feeling.
1: We had a chat with Samuel Eto'o last night. He was here in studio, the former Chelsea striker, and is also begging Chelsea to win it for obvious reasons, I guess, also.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let's yes, take some, I mean, Chelsea, yeah.
0: of course, were lucky to get into the top four. They were very lucky. It was only because Leicester imploded at the last yeah. that Chelsea made it. So, um, you know, they... they they stumbled over the line, but I think if they if they really play according to the way they can, um, I think that cup could be theirs.
1: And then on that note, then before I go to the voice notes, um, they wrap up the top four. Chelsea. How do you sum up their season? Then is it a successful season for them, uh, considering the managerial change, or do they still need to win the Champions League? They also lost in the final of the FA Cup.
0: Listen, they work to a different standard at Chelsea. Uh, the, The owner, Roman Abramovich, sacked Roberto Di Matteo three months after he won the Champions League. So, you know, goodness knows what he thinks is a successful season. I don't know. I think it would be a remarkable turnaround for Thomas Tuchel to come in. Lampard... It was drifting. Chelsea were drifting. And uh, Thomas Tuchel has taken them to two cup finals and Champions League qualification. Yes, they blew it against in the FA Cup final. That's true. We'll see what happens on Saturday uh, in uh, Porto against Manchester City. But getting them to two finals and the Champions League, come on. That must qualify as a success for most people. Whether it does for a Chelsea manager, of course, is a different matter.
1: So, but surely his job doesn't depend on winning the Champions League, or does it?
0: Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, which we, we, we just don't know with Roman Abramovich. You know, he loses patience so quickly. Who knows? But I think Thomas Tuchel has the look of a man who could be there for a while, and I think he will make Chelsea a better team.
1: Okay, let's hear what some of our listeners are saying. You can send us your voice notes to zero six one four one zero four one zero seven. Uh, Taviso.
2: Yeah, for me, I think also for Chelsea, uh, they really missed out, you know, for not winning the FA Cup, you know, losing to Leicester City, you know. So, I feel uh, for Thomas Tuchel, he really, really, really needs to win on Saturday, you know. At least, um, as the Chelsea fan should have something to go home with, you know. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, um, I can also wait for tomorrow for sundown to be crowned the champions here. Yeah. yeah, this is Joseph Mamba from Mada. Good evening, here and all the listeners on SAFM, uh, what a season in, in European football. By the way, I'm a Chelsea fan and I'm quite satisfied with the work uh, that Thomas Tuchel has done uh, since he has arrived at uh, Cobham. And uh yeah, uh but there's a few things that I'm still not satisfied uh, with his work, especially with his rotation uh 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 or a rotation of players every game. Because now we don't even have a winning team. You are playing Manchester City in the Champions League on the weekend, but we don't have a winning team because his uh is are unpredictable. Sometimes you see uh, Mendy, and the next thing you see Kepa, he's I mean, really. So uh, I just hope that they can manage to actually find the right players for, for, for that match. It's a big one in, on the weekend, so I'm looking forward to that uh, on the weekend. Uh, this is Loco Pedro. I'm a big, big Chelsea fan. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to, to that final. I remember um, Zico Smith from Macau. Ugh, I was disappointed one more time, just like last year. We lost out to the top four. We lost out to Man United last year. This time we lost out to Chelsea. So there won't be any UEFA Champions League for us, Lista, But at least we are going to Europa, unlike Arsenal. And then as for Bundesliga, ugh, that one is not a league member. That's a famous league. That one we can't take it serious,
1: sure member. Okay, leave Bundesliga for now. Did you say for us, Leicester? (laughs) Must be the third Leicester fan that I know now. Well, there were a couple of them actually in 2016 when they won the league. On that note then, Jim, since we have a Leicester fan here, how do they look at their season? You've mentioned that they imploded towards the end there when they were in the Champions League spots for a very long time, but they've got an FA Cup trophy. How do they sum it up?
0: I think it, that, that FA Cup Trophy was really important to Leicester. Um, you know, they they'd lost four times in the final before they'd never won it. Um, I, I think it just added to uh, the kind of sense of a proper club they are. Now in the elite, they have won the league and they have won the cup. There aren't that many clubs in Britain that have done that. And I think that that really, really was an important moment for them. I think they were disappointed to miss out on the Champions League. Um, they, they've only been there once before, which is after they won the title in 2016. And I think they really enjoyed the run to the quarter final that year. And, and I think. They they want more of it. And um, I think Brendan Rodgers is a manager who will get them there. He might need to make a couple more signings. Some of his older players, the players who have, uh, you know, who were there in the title winning side are beginning to drop away. And I think he might need to bring in a couple more. Um, Wes Morgan, for instance, uh, left. And mm-hmm. Frukes, the, uh, the the long-serving right-back, has left. I think he needs to bring in a few more players. Um, but Leicester, you know, they are the one team that weren't uh, in that Super League nonsense, <laughs> who really look as though they could win trophies in in England and i think that that makes them for a lot of people the kind of uh, the choice of the neutral you know they are the they they are the ordinary guys up against the arrogant superstars and i think that that gives them a lot of emotional weight uh, for football fans in britain
1: and then there was the arsenal missing out in europe for the first time in i don't know how many years um, disappointing season. What do they need to do next season to get back on track?
0: Really, really interesting this. You know, the Arsenal, who their fans used to gripe and groan because uh, Arsene Wenger used to say well it was a good season we qualified for the Champions League they felt they ought to be doing better than that now they can't even qualify for the Europa Conference whatever that may be Uh, quite remarkable decline in in, in the post Wenger years Um, Arteta's got some good young players there Saka I think is a terrific player and I think actually might shine for England in, in the Euros. I think he's a, a player who could actually turn a few heads uh, during the Euros. Terrific player. Smith Rowe, terrific Mm -hmm. player. Martinelli, terrific player. The trouble is they've got a lot of senior pros there who are on very big money, who are very difficult to move on. and They really need a massive clear-out. But saying they need a massive clear-out is much harder than actually organising one. You know, Arteta's known for a long time Mm -hmm. that he's got players on his books who aren't good enough. But finding someone to take them off his hands is a really difficult task and he's been told he's got to sell before he can buy and that is a really tricky place for him to be because I think the senior pros at Arsenal have let him down and it's very difficult to build on a team of youngsters you do need to have good senior players in there and and he has few and far between but you know, the future is brighter than the present, I would say, at Arsenal. It okay. has to be, not it? That's a positive.
1: Yeah, yeah. Can't get any worse than this. That's a positive then, at least. Some of the youngsters also. I was going to skip them, but somebody wants to know, what do you think of Spurs? And do you think Harry Kane will leave? And if he leaves, where do you think he will go?
0: Yes, I do think Harry Kane will leave. Uh, I think it will be one of the most protracted and difficult negotiations uh, in transfer history because Daniel Levy will not want Harry Kane to go and will dig his heels in and it could get very, very ugly. Mm. Um, However, I think think he will go. He wants to win things and he ain't going to win things at the moment. You know, I have read the rumour the rumour is going around and I think it may have been started by hopeful Tottenham fans that Mauricio Pochettino might go back as the manager. I mean, there's no sign of who they've got as a manager. Um, there hasn't been any uh, conversations as far as uh, I know. And there aren't that many good managers available out there. Um, and so, uh, I, you know. I don't know. I, I, it would be a really interesting thing if that comes in. If he does come in, he's going to find a lot of work to do because that side he took to the Champions League final uh, really is, is, is disappearing before his eyes. You know, the centre backs have gone, they're too old. There's no one coming in um, to replace them, uh, there's not much going on in midfield. Uh, the Mourinho malevolent kind of slowness. Um, has really infected far too many players Um, and you know in in the last uh, couple of uh, weeks when they've actually been playing that forward line of Bale, Kane, Son and Ali they looked a lot better who knew who knew that that was the best way forward you know (laughs) ridiculous that Mourinho had those players and didn't play them but Bale's coming back to Madrid and it looks as though Kane's on his way so there's going to be, an, whoever comes in is going to be an awful lot of work to do.
1: Yeah, even, I think even Sir Alex Ferguson can't believe Dele Alli couldn't get enough game time because he seems to rate him highly there um, at Spurs. But Jim, as we wrap up now, who was who would have been the surprise, surprise package for you this season? We spoke about Leicester, they were fifth. Well, you've mentioned how they look at it. Leeds were ninth in their comeback season. And then there was West Ham.
0: Yes, well, I saw West Ham... Uh, qualify uh, for the Europa League in the last game of the season uh, and to me they look really good they're very balanced uh, the, the two Czech guys Suchek and Sufal, have been fantastic signings for David Moyes and Moyes has got a really good clear coherent team there you know they play very good football lots of lovely one-touch movement going on however there are two caveats to that the first is Declan Rice what a player Declan Rice is he yeah. holds that team together he's not just a defensive midfielder he drives them forward he's brave he's great in the tackle he's great in the pass, and quite understandably he is much coveted Manchester United wants him Chelsea wants him you know Arsenal would would buy your hand off to get a player of his quality into their squad and I Holding on to him is really, really the number one priority that David Moyes has. And then number two, he's got to sign Jesse Lingard because Lingard has been superb for them since he arrived on loan from Manchester United. And I think if he can keep those two, then it's going to be very different next season. If he can't, not sure what
1: will happen. Just finding another team of interest for me is Sheffield United, Jim White, considering that they were ninth last season. What went wrong after such steady progress under Chris Wilder that they could only win seven of 38 the whole season?
0: Yes, it was a very, very poor performance by Sheffield United. Chris Wilder is a manager who I really admire. I think he's, I think he's, he, he he's sometimes labelled as a bit of an old school guy uh, in that he's so passionate and shouts a lot from the touchline. But actually, I think he's a more sophisticated coach than people give him credit for. The problem was they had this system of the overlapping centre backs, which worked really well last season. And it got found out this season. Secondly, he spent a lot of money on Ryan Brewster, a young centre-forward from uh, Liverpool, Liverpool yeah. who didn't score a goal. Uh, didn't score a goal. So, <laughs> you know, they had no one up front. And the, the centre-backs, because a couple of them got injured, um, Jack O'Connell particularly got injured, then the the two parts of it were really, really um, declined in in, in 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 importance. And thirdly, they lost Dean Henderson, uh, who they'd had on loan from Manchester United for two seasons, who went back. And Aaron Ramsdale, when he initially came in, just didn't bring the sort of confidence to the defence uh, that Henderson had done. And, you know, he actually his second half of his season was much better than his first half for ramsdale and indeed he has been included in the england squad or the wider england squad for the uh, for the euros so he w- he improved but initially i think that was the problem for them so they 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 were missing all over the pitch and it was just you know they reached the end of the road as did Wilder. Be interesting to see where he goes next season. There's talk of him possibly going to Crystal Palace, which I think would be a, <laughs> a very bracing and interesting uh, um, uh, appointment. But you know, keep your eye on Chris Wilder. I think he might well be in the Premier League next season.
1: Great stuff, Jim. Always a pleasure talking to you here in South Africa. Thank you for your wonderful insight and analysis. We've really enjoyed looking back at the season with you. And just Thanks be so much, Teresa. See you soon. Thanks, Jim White, um, who is a, a writer for the Daily Telegraph. Not only that, but if you've had on him on the show before, you'll know that Jim White is the author of the Manchester United books. He's got the biography and the other one, I think you will win nothing with kids. And is a Man United supporter. But he's a channelist. He focuses on Man United and everybody knows that he supp- supports Man United. So the moral of the story is that I don't think there's anything wrong with a journalist supporting a team. Because it always seems like a big issue here in South Africa. So can I, can can we please catch a break, guys, as long as people are not biased. I mean, I think people should be allowed to have teams because people grew up supporting teams. So if I come out here and I say, go Chippa United, because that's my team, <laughs> it doesn't mean I'm going to be biased. It's just it's just live. You grow up and you, you have a team and Chippa's from our hometown and I'll support Chippa and Chippa. Okay, let's take a break. We're gonna talk French League R oh, next.